Robbie Knox here, landlord of the Moon Underwater, and I have a very exciting announcement to share with you. Have you ever found yourself listening along to the podcast thinking, hmm, I wish I could experience this with my own eyes in the real world? Well, you're in luck, because very soon the Moon Underwater will be returning to the other realm for a special live show. As it's such a special occasion, we thought we'd invite an equally special guest along. Joining us on the night to create their dream pub is the Edinburgh Comedy Award-winning comedian Ahir Shah. It's taking place on Sunday the 7th of April at Moth Club in London. Tickets are on general sale now. Search Moon Under Pod on socials, head to our page and click the link in the bio to get your tickets. We look forward to seeing you there. The Moon Underwater, where Robin Allender has set us a pub quiz and Rob Orton is delighting us with his dream pub, but also his takes on the vibe of life. And that's not a, not a bad title for your next book, Takes on the Vibe of Life. Your previous book is I Strongly Believe in Incredible Things, which is a wonderful mixture of sort of poetry, imagery, I guess it's like a kind of book of memes in a way. <laughs> but they feel like written memes. Okay. I was chatting to a friend the other day and we were involved in a flight of fancy, which was the idea of the long meme. Like, you know how you have a long read? Yeah, the long meme. <laughs> well, like a sort of 45-minute meme. Yeah. That it takes quite a long time to uh, digest. But, I mean, memes give people a good feeling, right? Yeah, people mm. love a meme. It, and it doesn't take long to get there, does it, from the feeling that you get from a meme? And if that feeling lasted for 45 <laughs> minutes, I think that would be pretty good. I think there's something really interesting about memes and the way they catch on. Or say if you think about how funny videos of cats catch on. It says something about evolutionarily about human nature, doesn't it? We really like looking at pictures of cats. There's something quite nice about it. That we're kind of we're just um, expressing our instincts to look at nice pictures of cats. Well, I guess you've been framed. Yeah, <laughs> was the original meme. Yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. I wonder what the first meme was. I bet it's impossible to say. Well, the meaning of the word meme kind of changed over time through that throughout the internet. I think. Oh. Because meme nowadays just means a picture with some text on it. Yes. A meme used to mean something like something that literally caught on and became kind of. Viral, in a way. Apparently the word was coined by Richard Dawkins. Oh, really? But we were around for one of the first memes, weren't we, Rob? All your base are belong to us. Do you remember that? (laughs) Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, that's enough talk about memes. It's all me, me, me with you, isn't it? It it is. It is. Uh, But before we go back to Rob Orton's dream pub, uh, Robin, you left us on some pretty high-dangling tenterhooks. Yeah, you were dangling up high. It was, uh, it was the Moon Underwater pub quiz. It was all about heights of things this week. And uh, question one was, which is taller, the Statue of Liberty, including its pedestal, or Big Ben? Uh, by which I mean the Elizabeth Tower. So, uh, Rob, what, what, which do you think is the taller of the twain? I think Big Ben 
is taller. Rob's gone Big Ben. John? I've also gone for uh, Big Ben, or as the French would say, Massif Benjamin. <laughs> You're both bang right. Big Ben is 96 metres, which is three metres taller than the Statue of Liberty. Only three, 93 metres Statue of Liberty. So there you go. Question two, which is taller, the Chrysler Building in New York or Le Chard in London? Rob, what do you think? I think uh, the Shard. Rob's gone Shard. John? I've gone Chrysler. You've gone Chrysler. And John, you're bang right. It is the Chrysler. The Chrysler is 319 metres tall. And the Shard is 310. So again, very close. Why don't they just build it a bit bigger and say it's bigger than the Chrysler building? Well, it's not really a competition. I suppose it is a competition. Chrysler's a beautiful building, isn't it? Nice art deco. Very nice. And the question three, the final question was, who is taller, Richard Osman from Pointless or Greg Davis from Taskmaster or Taskmaster, as he says in his accent? Uh, Both tall men. Uh, Rob, what are you saying? Uh, Greg Davis. You've gone Greg Davis. John? Well, I actually know this. I could give you both of their heights if you wanted. Really? How do you know it? Well, I was on Richard Osman's Wikipedia page this week for some reason. (laughs) And just like to hang around there, making edits. No, <laughs> and I know how tall Greg is because I was at a wedding with Greg. It was Russell Howard's wedding, and all of Russell Howard's relatives are very, very short. So a lot of his mum's side of the family, uh, his aunts are like sort of five nine five. Uh, no, four nine four ten. So they're under five foot. And Greg was sort of called in for a lot of photo opportunities, not because of his fame, but because of his height. <laughs> and uh, Russell's aunts kept saying, look over there, it's tallest, shortest. We're doing tallest, shortest. Um, so I think Greg is 6'9", and I think Richard Osman is 6'7". Well, I've got 6'8 for Greg Davis, but Richard Osman is 6'7". Okay. So you're right about okay. that. Yeah, but very good. John, you won You, you with a clean sweep. A clean sweep as a live and breathe. But the, the fun is in just taking part with our dear really guests. Is. It really is, yeah. yeah. And also learning. Yeah, laughing and learning. Laughing and learning. That's my first Zoom quiz since lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rob, before we uh, talk about your spirit, you said that in the pub, everyone gets the sense with their first drink like they do with their first drink at Glastonbury after they finished putting up the tent. Are there any other sort of magical stipulations you have for your pub or anything about the interior, the vibe you'd like to discuss? Uh, Yes, I'd like to talk briefly about the queuing system. I speak no other language. And this also goes back to a time at a festival, which was Leeds Festival, when I went in there and they had railings in the beer tent so there was a queuing system and you went round the railings and snaked round and then you got to the end of the railings and they would tell you which person to go to and it was just fantastic really and yeah 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 Mm. i don't know if why i haven't been to Leeds since but i i'm imagining that is no longer but i would like that in in the um in the pub yeah how long was the queue good question it was not long enough to get annoyed by mm. but it was particularly good for me because i have zero bar presence when trying to get served i just crumble and i always think everyone's 
in front of me or if someone pushes in front of me, I never confront them. I just get really annoyed and it can kind of put a bit of a dampener on the evening, really. It is fair, that queuing system, isn't it? Well, this is what I'm looking for in just life in general, fairness. But also it makes the transaction at the bar much more efficient because there's no time like asking who's next. There's no discussion between people at the bar. There's no rushing because every single interaction is one-on-one. One member of bar staff to one person. So you're actually going to get through it an awful lot quicker. I think it's a superb idea. It is. I remember going to the very first field day, which was like a, it's a one-day London festival. I think it was in Victoria Park. It's notorious, that festival, because they completely got the... whatever the algorithm is that says you need this many bar staff and this many toilets. They got it badly wrong. <laughs> it was like... I don't think I've ever queued so long at a bar. It was probably like maybe an hour and a half. Whoa. Yeah. It was insane. That's not good. Yeah. Are we talking, are you going to need railings in your pub, Rob? Or is it just that there's some kind of way of keeping that sort of four foot next to the bar a very sort of uh, free and easy place? I mean, I don't mean free and easy. I mean sort of unpopulated and and efficient. I think for me that was just a good memory of the person who was in charge of the bar wanting the rigidity of those railings in place of going we are not going to have a shit show of a bar it's going to be like this so i would like those railings but i've got some other things as well when i went to university i went to um, northumbria university in newcastle and there's a road in um, newcastle called osborne road which is in jesmond which is a student area and um, in a bar slash pub called osborne's and Spy Bar, they had these devices. There was TV screens behind the bar and it was flashing uh, flashing images and there was a button which um, there was options. So it was like free round, two for one, full price, 10% off. And then you press the button and you'd sometimes get your drinks for free. And I'd, I'd love to have that because that was just fantastic. Have you been there? No, but there was a pub in Bristol called the White Bear that did this. Wasn't it called the Chorizo Challenge or something? Yeah, it was. So every every letter of the word Chorizo would flash and you would say stop. Or no, you'd press a button and it would either be 20% off, free round, free drink, or like obviously there were some that was like full price. Yeah. I've got a feeling they've made those illegal now. <laughs> um, really? But that, they don't have to be in your pub, Rob. Uh, they're not illegal there because you're sort of beyond laws. It's essentially dream pubs exist in a kind of international waters. However, I think the the problem with that system was that if you have, you know, even one iota of charm and you get chatting to bar staff and become familiar with them, you're able to get the odd second go. Oh. You're able to maybe say, hey, how about we upgrade that 20% off to 50% off? And if you do it in a nice way, you involve them in the fun, next thing you know, you lasho kablasho and you haven't paid for a single drink. (laughs) (laughs) I really like your vibe of pub, Rob, where it's like, there's this kind of order to it. There's the tally card. There's the ordered queuing. 
but then there's that little bit of uncertainty, which is the the, the chorizo challenge, for want of a better way of calling it. <laughs> Maybe it's urging on, like, there's a lot of theme park elements to it. Mm. So you know where you are in the queue. Yeah. The fun of, I mean, I'm not saying you get a tally chart at the theme park, but... And then just like the pressing the button, maybe I used to love the fair when I um, was growing up in the village. And yeah, there is some order to it. I've also got something about vending machines I'd like to speak about. Go on. I'd like there to be a wall of vending machines, all in different colours. And each vending machine has every variety of crisp. So the blue vending machine is, you know, controversial, but that would be cheese and onion for me, I know. Someone, some people would think that that'd be salt and vinegar, but and then within the blue vending machine cheese and onion, you've got every variety of cheese and onion crisp, and then a green vending machine for salt and vinegar, red for ready salted, purple for Worcester sauce, brown for beef, and then I just I'd, I'd love that. Question: First off, the the Worcester sauce vending machine is probably not going to be have that many options. So it's quite a lot of space to take up for, say, what, three or four brands of crisp. Not a problem. It's true. Not a problem, just a question. It's a shame. It was my favourite flavour, but you don't get many Worcester sauce around anymore. No. I mean, Walker's cracked it, didn't they? They did, but I was a big fan of the Worcester sauce wheat crunchy, the Worcester sauce French fry. Might still be able to get them, actually. Well, that's a brown packet, isn't it? Yeah. So that, yeah. Oh, what, are you purple for Worcester sauce? Yeah, purple for Worcester sauce, but this is it. It's, you know, it would have to... I'd want it to be solid blocks of colour. I think you're in real trouble with your blue vending machine, I have to say, because the vast majority of salt and vinegar crisps are blue. So you can stick to your Walker's guns all you like. Mm. But, I mean, your discos, your um, hula hoops. I mean, I can go on, Rob. Stop me and buy Mm. one. Pringles. 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 McCoy's. All of them. All of them. Yeah, most of the, you know, the fancy brands like Kettle. What are the other ones? Salty Dog. Real. Real. Real crisps, yeah. Okay, well, can I talk about the stained glass windows instead then? <laughs> so I'd like there to be stained glass windows. So it's the majority of the outside of it is glass. So there's a lot of light coming in. And in this, within the stained glass windows, I would like there to be all my favourite song lyrics. Oh, so it would kind of be like frosted white glass maybe and then with black writing. So we'd have a Leonard Cohen window and I tried to think of the lyrics that would fit to drinking so people could look at them and kind of feel something from the lyrics. So on the Leonard Cohen window, we'd have a picture of his face and then it would say... But I know from your eyes and I know from your smile that tonight will be fine, will be fine, will be fine, will be fine for a while. And I think that kind of fits with pubs, you know. I love that. Um, And then there'll be a Bjork window. These lyrics from Bachelorette that I love. I'm a fountain of blood in the shape of a girl. You're the bird on the brim, hypnotised by the world. Drink me... Make me feel real. Wet your beak in the stream. Game we're playing is life. Love's a two-way dream. And I think going back to that thing about um, drink me, make me feel real. I think um, 
that goes back to the Shawshank Redemption thing where Morgan Freeman says, I think he just wanted to feel normal again. And I think drinking can do that, even though it does put you in an altered state. It does, sometimes if I'm having a, a, a troubled time or I'm like panicking a lot, it can just like, obviously just take the edge off and settle me down a little bit. And I often... Every now and again, I think, why is why is drinking so popular? Why is it why is it legal? And obviously, an argument for it is because there's loads of money on it and tax and stuff like that. But I don't know. I think it just for a lot of people, it does make them feel normal. And I was listening to an episode of this where Corey Taylor was talking about. I mean, some of the images that he was saying about his brain feeling like a clenched fist and him not drinking. Obviously, his brain is more like a, a a fist and drinking maybe let his fist relax a bit more. And then I'd have a Bob Dylan window. What looks large from a distance, close up ain't ever that big. I love that. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's um, that's the promise alcohol makes. And it is a it's a sort of a slightly untrustworthy promise is that it will change your mind and relieve you of stress and worry. And for many people, that's what it does. But it's very hard to... You never know that in advance, whether that's going to be the deal or not. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, this year, I've it's the closest I've been to um, trying fully to give up drinking because I just drank so much from November through to December that the uh, downside of it was so down that I thought, I'm not sure if I can hack this anymore. But I I really enjoy just taking the edge off my own brain. But I know it's it's, it's funny, isn't it, talking about it in a pod, podcast and talking about it lovingly because, I don't know, it's a, it's a love-hate relationship, I think, for a lot of people, isn't it? And um, I wish that... Um, I could just go to a pub and have a soft drink. But the theatre of that first gulp is just like, oh, I can't seem to knock it on the head, really. But I think part of the problem is, and part of the attraction of it is the kind of stories we tell about drinking, isn't it? I think because, you know, what well, some of the things you've said this evening about, you know, the bottles of Estrella in the in the in the dustbin full of ice, or the uh, first beer at a festival. Part of you's like, oh, if I have a beer now, it might be like that, <laughs> you know, and it might have that feeling. But of course, it never is because you can't. It has to be the right kind of context and environment. But you know, drinking sort of has that promise that oh yeah, this if I have that, then this will happen. I think it's <laughs> those those images are lies alcohol tells us that are sometimes true. You never know when it's lying and when it's not. Yeah. The thing is, at the time, were you to go back to that day of sport with the Estrellas in the bin, you've probably removed all of the annoyances, like the bottle you pulled out that had only just been put in so it wasn't quite cold enough, or the sort of the bottle caps in the grass that annoyed you because you're like, why aren't people picking up picking up their bottle caps or the like oh there's nowhere to go to the toilet 
because we're in the middle of a field and we've just got loads of Estrella. It's sort of you, you burnish these memories to the point at which they drive the fantasy that takes you to the pub or tells you that you can't have a soft drink when you know you full well can have a soft drink and you might even end up having just as nice a time. But I guess that's the mystique of alcohol is it's sort of um, it's always just out of grasp what we're actually using it to get to. Yeah, you think it's the same key to the door that it opened that time, whereas it could be a completely different set of circumstances. And on that day, you know, the weather played a big part in it as well. Everyone was on like really good form, and I think yeah, maybe that is where, where we have it to go. Okay, this will do what that did. Just to repeat Ed Gamble's amazing bit of wisdom, where he said you'd never quite get to where you remember being the night before. That's so true of booze. But anyway, Rob, I mean, we've got so many great elements to this pub, and we've got so many more choices to add. We've got we've got to hurry on to your spirits. Okay, so my first spirit will be Limoncello, Pellini, the brand. And um, I don't know if you know much about Pellini. We had it at our wedding as part as a, of a the dessert. Well, it's been it's been crafted by the Pellini family in Italy since 1875. It's made from the prize Sfossato lemons, exclusive to the Amalfi Coast. I don't know about you, but for me, its versatility is almost endless. You can enjoy it neat on the rocks, straight from the fridge, or mixed into cocktails or food. Um, and for a crisp, authentic taste of Italy, I don't think none, none can compare, really. But I'm not sure about that food thing. I don't know if you want to be putting limoncello in a lemon meringue pie. It'd be nice in a lemon tart, maybe. Mm. Yeah, love limoncello, though. Yeah, it's great. And the other one would be Johnny Walker Gold Label, just because, I mean, a lot of this is festival themed, but I was at End of the Road once and Johnny Walker had a tent and they were doing these um, Johnny Walker with ginger beer cocktails and it was awesome. Lemoncello, great choice. Johnny Walker Gold, great choice. Uh, Talk briefly about your wedding, Rob, because you're talking about your hair at the start of the show and I saw you looking newly shod that's the wrong word that means you've had hooves fitted Um, (laughs) but newly shorn for your wedding does your wife prefer the beard or not and also a wedding is when you get to choose all the booze yourself so talk us through some of your choices there well Victoria she's um I think she she likes both thankfully I don't people I think the thing with the beard is that I think people think that I put more thought into it than I do for me, this is just laziness, really. And the reason I think that I grow it is because I did a show all about hair, called The Hair Show. I grew my hair for 18 months, didn't touch it. And then I just thought, I'll just do do that again. But I will be getting rid of it. But I thought for the wedding, I would um, try to smarten myself up a bit. And I think with, like, relatives and stuff, I didn't want them saying, oh, come on, you could have made, made an effort, you know. That was one thing I wanted to make as much of an effort, the most effort I'd ever made on my appearance, like buy a pair of new shoes, all that, you know. And then with regard to um, the alcohol at the wedding, one of the best afternoons was when we were, was with my in-laws and we were tasting the different limoncellos. Oh, yes. (laughs) And just got hammered. It was great. And then, yeah, I don't really drink uh, red or white wine because I was at my 
cousin's wedding and I, I had some white wine that I'd never really drank and my entire face went bright red. Really? Um, I don't know why. And it happens every now and again. Even if I have some just for cooking, I think it's, um, what is it? I can't, is it the tannins or something like that? I don't know. Anyway, so that was that. And then beers, wines, yeah, that was it really. But the my favourite uh, drink of the day was a limoncello because I saw like my auntie and uncle and stuff like that. There was a lot of bottles of it going around and it's like rocket fuel. <laughs> it, it gets people on the dance floor, that's for sure. Great choice there. Uh, we've got to head over to, uh, on, on Tome's Day of all days, uh, head over to the Moon Underwater Pub Library to welcome in another book to the shelf. So Robin, take it from here. Thanks, John. Yes, welcome to the Pub Library. This week on the Pub Library, it's Rob Orton's book, of course, I Strongly Believe in Incredible Things, A Creative Journey Through the Everyday Wonders of Our World, in which Rob says, The planet is brimming with beauty and truth, and I want to bring that to the front and centre of the stage currently cluttered with the opposite of beauty and truth. And do that through memes. (laughs) Yeah, by the (laughs) medium of memes. But there's a lovely story in there called Crossword and I thought it'd be excellent if Rob read it himself so this is Rob Orton reading Crossword Crossword One Wednesday afternoon I found myself on my own at a table for four in a chain pub a chain pub known for its carpets, condiments, lack of music and an equal lack of wanting to stay in the EU. I enjoy the hear a pin drop on a carpet atmosphere of the mid-afternoon midweek. On this particular occasion, an elderly couple were sitting on the table next to me. They each had two full glasses of white wine in front of them. Two each! I overheard this was due to the man ordering the drinks first and ordering the food without knowing he was going to get a free drink with each of the meals. It was great seeing them looking at each other with that amount of white wine on the table. They'd look at the wine, then at each other, and then back down at the wine again. The sun was coming in through the windows and shining on the wine, creating moving ribbons of light on the wood. No placemats here. They were making staying alive for as long as you can look quite desirable, actually. After their battered meals were finished, the lady put a different pair of glasses on and started to do a crossword. I wasn't listening on purpose, but my ears were doing it, and I didn't want to get in their way. After doing well for quite a sustained period of crossword time, the couple got stuck. Mm. Rounded roof. Four letters. They were adopting the childlike technique of making the sound of the letter F R Oh, I had the answer. Without thinking about it too much, I looked in their direction and said, Dome! They didn't realise I was speaking to them. I said it again, a bit more loudly, but not loudly enough for it to come across as aggressive. Dome! The lady looked up at me and said, Pardon? I regretted what I had done immediately. I didn't want to say dome again, 
but I did. Rounded roof, four letters, dome. She laughed and said, oh yeah, so it is. She pointed at me with her pen with one hand and gave me a thumbs up with the other. It felt so warming to be on the receiving end of those hand movements. The man on the other hand said, well it's easy when you know the answer. I laughed, but he wasn't joking. I looked down at the book I had been writing in and started to write again. They continued with their crossword. Name of a man who wishes he had never got involved in our crossword, 3-5, Rob Orton, correct. It was awkward now. They were speaking more quietly, whispering clues to each other. It reminded me of trying to get in with the popular people when I was little. I felt that the couple couldn't get on with their crossword with me there. I picked up my pen and pad without looking at them, left the pub and began to walk under the dome of the afternoon sunshine. Oh, here, here. That's pretty. What a fantastic vignette. <laughs> I love that. So beautifully described that mid-afternoon in the pub feeling with the sunlight and the ribbons of light on the wine glasses. It's beautiful. I think some of those times kind of um, in there with my notebook and um, seeing people kind of having an afternoon out. And uh, I mean, weather is very important for pubs, isn't it? Like if it's cold outside or if it's hot outside. Or... But yeah, now I remember that true story. Yeah. I think also everyone has had that moment where you have the courage to interrupt someone's conversation or to add to it because you think that's what connection is. And you think, why do we spend all this, like you were saying earlier, why are we on the tube not talking to each other? I'm going to give them the crossword clue. I'm going to say what the name of that famous person is they're trying to get. And you say it and it's almost like you've broken the spell and people are sort of a bit, feel suddenly heard and it doesn't have that sort of, you know, it's not like that mobile phone advert of just people doing crazy stuff with a sort of plinky song playing in the background. You feel like you've stepped over some line. Yeah. It's like on a train, isn't it? Like if you if you start talking to a stranger at the, at the beginning of the journey and then it kind of, you chat lasts about two minutes and then you're like, oof. <laughs> okay, we're in this real long haul. So that's Rob Orton's book, I strongly believe in incredible things. Yeah, coming out in paperback soon. Coming out in PB, Papa Bravo. Yes. Uh, so grab it. It really is a fantastic, uh, a fantastic book to read. I've uh, got my copy here, Rob. And also you've got other books that you uh, sell at your stand-up shows, don't you? Yeah, I was thinking, I was looking at them. I mean, I strongly believe in incredible things. I, was, I think that would be a good name for a pup. And then I've got another book called um, In Heaven the Onions Make You Laugh. I think that would be a good name for a pub. Um, another one called Petrol Honey. Not so good. One called Take Hair. Take Hair. H-A-I-R. People would call it the onions, wouldn't they? Oh, yeah, we're going to the onions. Yeah. That's quite nice. Well, we've not just got a library here, Rob. We've got a jukebox and we ask every guest to place... One album of their choice on the Moon Underwater pub jukebox. But before you do, have you got a jukebox in your pub? Uh, what, like local? No, in your dream pub, in the pub of the mind. Oh, yeah. Um, and it is a special jukebox. So with this jukebox, I don't know if this has been done before. Forgive me if it has. But you select a song from the jukebox and there's a stage in the corner and the song that you select, 
the band comes and plays that song live. Oh, wow. In the corner. And from the kind of the era that they recorded it in. So if you type in, you know, Bob Dylan, Don't Think Twice, It's All Right, he comes from 1963 in his brown jacket and cap or whatever and he's doing it and oh god yeah i think that'd be amazing but is it actually bob dylan or is it like a sort of that abba show thing where it's a hologram well it's a magic pub isn't it so i would say really him yeah nice and then they come in and do it and then they go if you could choose put one song on in a pub from who would what would you do and they come and play in the corner oh what a question it would be nirvana doing Where Did He Sleep Last Night? I mean, you know, it wouldn't be uplifting. Well, it could be on a Wednesday afternoon and you could be the only one in there. Yeah, yeah. I would have um, Van Morrison singing Madame George Oh yeah. with that sort of Astral Weeks jazz orchestra, jazz sort of accompaniment with the double bass. And the, I think that would probably be the best thing that had ever happened to me. Mm. What well, would yours be, Dylan, mm. Rob? Yeah, I think so. Which song? Don't think twice. It's all right. And doing it in as it is close to as like him doing it on the guitar. But I was at um, Macundcleth. Is that how you say Macundcleth Comedy Festival? And it was in one of the pubs there. And out the back, I can't remember which pub it was, but they were setting up lights, and there was a gazebo. And it was with the writer and performer John Osborne. And I said, oh. If there was one band you could have playing here, who would it be? And he said, Pulp. And I was like, oh, yeah, that would probably be the correct, like, in that small um, uh, courtyard space. But then, anyway, it was going to be Black Lace who were going to be playing, doing, like, um, Superman and all that, you know. Amazing. Uh, So which album do you want to add to the Moon Underwater Jukebox, Rob? I would like to add... The Take Off and Landing of Everything by Elbow. I don't know if that is in there, but that's probably the album that I listen to the most on my play count on uh, Spotify. That will probably be up there. I just love it. I think Guy Garvey is probably one of my favourite writers of lines. I just think he's brilliant. And um, that album, I've been on so many buses and so many trains listening to that. And I think my favourite song is, I love um, Flyboy Blue slash Lynette. It's kind of two songs in one, really. And then there's a song on there, My Sad Captains. And with regard to drinking, I love the lyrics where he says, um, Oh, long before you and I were born, Others beat these benches with their empty cups to the night and its stars, to the here and now and who we are. Another sunrise with my sad captains with who I choose to lose my mind. And if it's so, we only pass this way but once. What a perfect waste of time. Whoa, I love that. Is that the sort of like uh, advanced level fantasy? whereby the fantasy then works whether the drinking is fantastical or not. So, like, you know, you're saying about the, you know, we were talking about the fantasies of past drinks driving drinking now. 
even if it doesn't live up to anything like that. If you're saying that even the times when it's very humdrum and day-to-day, if they're also fantastical, <laughs> then basically it's completed the circle that all all drinking is taking part in some kind of fantasy. So it can ne- drinking can never be wrong. Have I extended the theme to, 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 to breaking point? Is every form of drinking potentially romantic, I guess, is my question. I don't know. I mean, I was watching Bruce Springsteen at Glastonbury and I felt something warm on my legs and I turned around and a guy had been pissing into a can of Stella and it had overfilled and started going on my legs. And that didn't feel very romantic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, good point, good point. (laughs) Wet leg. Wet leg. Right, Rob, you've got two more choices, one of which is restricted to our Patreon subscribers, which is your dream pub companion. But before then, you've got your wildcard choice. Rob, what are you going for? Wildcard choice. Mm. <laughs> I didn't do any prep on that. Well, then it's genuinely wild. It doesn't have to be a drink. It could be anything. It could just, just something you want in the pub, you know. Oh, really? Well, one thing we had at the wedding was um, scampi fries tree, like in, in the tree in the back garden. I'd, we put loads of uh, clipped, loads of bags of scampi fries to it. So maybe there could be a big tree and scampi fries clipped to the tree and they're free and they just keep on getting replenished, you know. There's a big tree in a pub in London, isn't there? Yeah, Waxy O'Connors. Waxy O'Connors, yeah. So like that, there's a tree growing up through the pub that's that's adorned with scampi fries. Sounds like heaven. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Is there a little bacon fries shrub next to it? Yeah, it'll be, yeah. A cheese puffs bush? Do you mean cheese moments? Oh, there were cheese moments, yeah, sorry. They were absolutely disgusting. (laughs) Is that the name? Cheese moments? (laughs) It's a good name for, that's a great name for a crisp, isn't it? Or like, whatever they were. I don't think you would launch a a snack called cheese moments in the age of the internet, would you? Cheese moments. Cheese moments, good name for a club night, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I'd be very keen on the scampi fry tree, Rob. Mm. Is there a way of making it so that it's actually a tree where the fruit is individual scampi fries? I mean, you could do. And then what, people would just be like gathering around it, putting them in their mouth one by yeah, one. and they're growing quite quickly. And also some of them sort of gather on the floor. So there's like a dust of scampi fries on the floor. Are you growing? They're growing. So like one is like the size of a pillow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Imagine a scampi fry the size of a pillow. Oh, I'd love that. There's probably a weird YouTube uh, channel where someone's done that. There is a there's a YouTube guy who who makes giant food. He made a massive Ferrero Rocher. Oh, really? Yeah. I think I could eat a scampi fry pillow. Oh yeah, I'd sleep on one under a bacon fry quilt. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine you'd wake up all oily. Yeah, you would, yeah. After having eaten half of your quilt in the night. (laughs) Well, Johnny come fly be nightlies. Uh, We must leave you with that image in your head as we head off to find out what Rob's dream pub companion, or who, or why, uh, Rob's dream companion is. And uh, if you want to hear this, you can head to moonunderpod.com to subscribe to us on Patreon. (laughs) 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Thousands of people listen to the moon underwater every week and we can help deliver your brand message to targeted audiences. So if you're to be part of the moon underwater and connect with engaged audio listeners, get in touch. Just email sales at audioalways.com and find out more about how podcast advertising and sponsorship could work for you. That's sales at audioalways.com. We return to uh, the moon underwater proper with Rob Orton, the lovely Robin and I, chastened, sort of empowered, and reflecting on Rob Orton's dream pub companion, certainly a bit of a brain brain frizzler, if I can coin a phrase. But Rob, you do have the opportunity in your dream pub to bar one thing or activity or vibe. What are you going to bar, mate? You're barred. I imagine this has been done before, but if it hasn't, I would like to stop. And I know bar staff are just doing their jobs, but their manager would drill it into them never to take a pint before someone has finished it or ask them, you know. It's such a specific feeling of, oh, I've got a little bit left, I've got a little bit left, I've got... And then you're like, where's it gone? Oh, it's gone. So, you know, when they take your pint before it's... Mm. you've drunk it that's it that's what I would ban no one has ever mentioned that before Rob you truly are a unique thinker but is that petty though that is annoying right it is because also it makes you feel embarrassed by saying oh actually I want that five mil yeah that's that's actually one of the the better five mils in this whole pint of of 568 mils and you feel like if you go oh that isn't finished they can look at you like ugh you just crawled in off the street drinking the last five mils. And actually, well, this is mine to do with as I want. I shouldn't have been forced to make this decision. Do you think people are more comfortable with asking for a pint to be topped up with five mils than they are saying, that's mine? I think less comfortable. I feel more uncomfortable asking for a pint to be topped up than I do with saying, oh, I haven't finished. I don't mind asking for a pint to be topped up at all, as long as it's clear that it needs topping up. Hmm. So, like, if it's borderline, I'll always just leave. That's fine. Yeah. But especially with Guinness, sometimes if you've got, like, an inch of head on a Guinness, sometimes if all you need to do is just wait once they've given you your change and put it down, wait for it to settle, and often they'll go, oh, I'll just top that up for you. Hmm. Um, But no, I I don't have a problem, especially with 
when it could be like six quid a pint saying, oh, do you mind just topping that up a bit? I think the problem is when people get sort of quirky with their sort of way of raising it. So if you were to go, um, well, that's about uh, 50 pence worth you owe me in that, or sort of just 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 ask politely for them to top it up and it's fine, because it's not the bar staff aren't going to gonna think less of you. I think it's that thing of just wanting to be liked in the pub by the staff and also the people that you're with. Going into a pub and like having an instant rapport with the person behind the bar or like, Hey, you know, I'm a good time guy. Here we go. I don't have that. And I would love to have it. But it's that goes back to that thing of taking the risk of stepping out of yourself and doing that in the in the um, overhearing the crossword mm. and saying, oh, yeah, I know that. Mm. And then being like, oh, God, why did I do that? Yeah, it's a, it's a great thing to ban, Rob. No pints are going to be cleared before they're finished. We do need to name this establishment, Rob, and it's been a delight to have you here. Just to remind everyone, on draft, you've got Timothy Taylor's landlord and Urquhart unpasteurised pilsner served with a tally chart, just like they do in Prague. Uh, you've got Estrella, Shawshank Redemption Edition, and Argus French Lager from Lidl, 2.5%. Your spirits are Limoncello Pellini brand and Johnny Walker Gold. On the jukebox, we have Elbow, Takeoff and Landing of Everything. Your wild card is a scampy fries tree, but that's not even scratching the surface of what else we've got in this pub. We've got queuing rails. We've got a, a, a sort of a, a choose-your-own sort of randomised discount extravaganza. We've got the vending machines of all different crisps, colour-coordinated in a, a pretty controversial manner. And we've also got a majority glass frontage, which contains milk-white frosted paper with your favourite song lyrics emblazoned thereon in black fonts. Hurry up, please. It's time. But we need to give this pub a name. What's it going to be called? It's going to be called The Human Experience. Ooh. Mm. I think that's what I'm here for. I'm here for the human experience. And whether that be being nervous about talking to strangers or wishing I had more confidence or enjoying a pint and trying to relive something or enjoying a bottle of Estrella or even a soft drink or meeting new people and or having nice food in a pub or overhearing a conversation in a pub or looking at an old couple having a fish and chip dinner on a Wednesday afternoon. It's just all about the human experience. And that just makes me feel better about anxiety or anything like that. And just thinking it's the human experience and that's what it's all about. So that's what the pub's called. Well, I couldn't think of a better description of what a pub should be than what you've just said there, Rob. Fantastic words. And we will leave you on that, dear listener, as we send Rob back to the other realm with the human experience under his arm to comfort him, to inspire him, to move him whenever he needs it the most. Goodbye.
Thousands of people listen to The Moon Underwater every week and we can help deliver your brand message to targeted audiences. So if you want to be part of The Moon Underwater and connect with engaged audio listeners, get in touch. Just email sales at audioalways.com and find out more about how podcast advertising and sponsorship could work for you. That's sales at audioalways.com.